Welcome into a live edition of the Paul Kuharski podcast from the home office of paulkuharski.com in New Jersey, northeastern home of uh, my operation where I am eating bagels, good bagels, good pizza. Very happy. Thank you for joining me. I'm brought to you by Zen Sports and Jasper's part of the 440 Sports Network, of course. Going to lead off with a conversation about Malik Neighbors and Rome Adunze. Uh, head to a primary complaint, which I've been short shafting you on, and I've got a good one here from uh, my original home. And uh, then, of course, load up on your questions. Uh, I see people stacking up already, so I'm excited about that. It's good to be with you. Good to see you. Uh, missing my family back in Nashville, but taking care of family business. So uh, good that I could do this from here. Let, let's take off with Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze, um, two receivers who are very attractive to the Titans at seven. Um, you know, I, I, you guys know that my preferred scenario, and uh, retweet this if you will. Uh, let's alert people that we're were happening. Um, these two receivers, very talented guys, and nobody has hit the Titans harder since I started covering them in 1996 for their failures at wide receiver, an organization that in run and shoot years had some terrific receivers, but during my time covering the team has been just awful at finding and establishing wide receivers. Really, Derek Mason, Drew Bennett, Nate Washington, who signed and fulfilled a six-year contract and was a steady contributor for a long time, and A.J. Brown. <clears throat> and beyond those four, you're forcing it to, to offer a guy who's, who's done much. Um, they really effed up the A.J. Brown situation in dealing him. Traylon Burks been a failure so far and, and being any kind of replacement. And so the Titans are in a spot now <clears throat> with um, – their one good receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, who I wrote about this week, is going to be on this team this year, but they need help. And Brian Callahan's talked about outside weapons. He's coming from a team that had Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who's you know maybe not as good as he was, but a heck of a trio. Um, he's going to need weapons. The Titans have to, to find effective free agents in a class that's limited but also they're going to need to draft a wide receiver. Now it's crazy that after all that I've said and all the criticism I'm offered or their failures at wide receiver, I'm finding a need that's even bigger. And I think they need to draft a left tackle at seven in all likelihood. But if they don't draft Alt, who could be gone, Fashanu, who could be there, the two guys who might prevent them from doing so are neighbors and Adunze. Um, terrific receivers from LSU and Washington, um, respectively. So let's talk about these two guys. Neighbors, super speed, 4-4 four, four from what you see. Big play guy, big yak guy, 120.7 yards per game and 14 touchdowns last year at Washington. Six feet tall, 200 pounds. Um, this guy, when I watch the highlights, feels uh, – flashier somehow to me than Rome. Um, Rome from Washington is bigger at 6'3 and 215, slightly faster, 4'3", 4", but that gets down to nitpicking a little bit. 
really good route runner to hear people talk about him. Um, a terrific yak guy yards after the catch, and he's super on contested catches. Uh, 17.8 yard average in 2023, right there with neighbors, virtually the same. Um, he's 4.34 versus 4.4 for neighbors. Again, you know, uh, that difference once you put on pads, how much does it show up? I, I don't know. When I watch, and I'm watching highlights of these two guys, I need somebody to put together a low light reel. Uh, I'm, I'm not big on watching games uh, like a lot of people are. I, I defer to people like Blake Bettingfield, who I'm going to talk about, or Mike Herndon, who, who does such things and, and knows better what he's looking at than I do. And what I've watched, I, I think Rome is, is somehow a calmer, less flashy player. He made a lot of cornerbacks look poor, for sure. The cornerbacks he was playing against in the Pac-10 are lesser players, certainly, than the ones that Neighbors was facing uh, at, at LSU and practicing against. Neighbors, to me, feels longer for a six-foot, 200-pound guy than um, you would expect. He, I don't watch the two of them and think that Rome is three inches and 15 pounds bigger. They seem closer in size than their numbers would suggest. Um I talked to, to Blake Bettingfield, who writes for, for my site, paulkoharski.com, if you're, if you're new. And um, the one thing, uh, well, he pointed out several things. He scouted for the Titans for, for 19 years, uh, a, a lot of those years where the Titans were failing at wide receiver, but he was around for the A.J. Brown draft. He says that Neighbors is more flexible has better body control, adjusts to bad balls better. I think that's of note because uh, Will Levis's accuracy is not his number one attribute. More athletic, and he has better top-end acceleration. Adunze, stronger at the catch point, tougher versus contact, stronger in the red zone. Um, and then I asked him about, you know, who's a better Callahan fit based on what Cincinnati's blueprint has been. He, he sees Adunze as the uh, yards after the catch guy, more like Jamar Chase and neighbors as the red zone athlete, more like T Higgins, but then slammed on the brakes to say neither of them are the caliber of those comparisons that we're talking about there. So I, I think that's significant. He's not saying a Dunze is Chase or Neighbors is Higgins. He's just drawing those comparisons. That led me down a rabbit trail, right? Now, I think both of these guys are going to be good in, um, in uh, you know, in the middle of the field from the 20 to the 20 and also in the red zone. But if, if you're thinking of one as more of a red zone threat and one of a, a more in, in between the 20s threat, the Titans had 23 red zone touchdowns and they only had 48 trips into the red zone last year. Dallas, by comparison, had 71 trips into the red zone last year. So if the Titans hit Dallas's percentage of uh, on Tennessee's 48 trips, they would have scored 27 touchdowns, only four more than they scored. If the Titans hit the Titans percentage, 26th in the league, on Dallas's 71 trips, they would have scored 34 touchdowns, 11 more than they scored. So uh, what you want 
first and foremost, you want to be good in the red zone, but you need to get into the red zone a bunch. The volume of times into the red zone more significant than percentage in the red zone if you're not getting there very often. And by this thinking, it, it feels like maybe neighbors helps you get into the red zone a little bit more often. It's a long time before, uh, you know, anybody has to declare a preference between the two. I don't know if I will or I won't. I'm going to talk to both of them next week in Indianapolis. Curious about your preference if the Titans were to go with one of these two guys at seven. Choice may be made for them with one of them coming off the board before them. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of hype going for the Chargers taking Alt at five and being Harbaugh's first pick with Los Angeles. So there could be a, a – a left tackle decision made ahead of the Titans. Will there be a receiver decision made between neighbors and a Dunze uh, ahead of them? That's a, a curious element there. I'll take a few questions, then we'll hit the primary complaint. Then I'll come back to questions, but um, I'm looking good. Compliment here from Trey with the framing. Uh, my mom does not have a lot of hat show prints, shockingly from a lot of rock and roll concerts. Um, and this is the guest room slash office. So uh, this is what we're working with. We did the best we could. I appreciate the compliment, Trey. Thanks very much. I appreciate all of you coming in here. Again, feel free to retweet. And uh, wherever you're watching or listening, whatever you can do in terms of uh, subscribing, liking, reviewing, that all helps the cause. I appreciate it. I know you're here because you like the content and the interaction. So uh, the more you can do, the better. I appreciate it. Degup uh, says he would lean to Bowers. He just seems to be a difference maker. I like Bowers a lot too, but a tight end is not going to be a perimeter guy and the Titans need a perimeter game. Um, and I think Bowers is a really uh, interesting player. And I think a, a tight end, if he's going to be, you know, uh, anything like a, a Travis Kelsey, you know, could be irresistible, maybe. But, um, you know, if he's not that level of a difference maker to go tight end and guard two years in a row, the premium positions in the league are left tackle, pass rusher, cornerback, receiver. The Titans have to address those positions, and they really need to address left tackle and wide receiver. I think, you know, if they draft Bowers and tell us that Bowers is going to be Travis Kelsey, and he is, fantastic. If he's not, and they pass on these receivers and they pan out to be fantastic, at, I think, uh, you know, they really set themselves up for trouble. Look, you're going to be second-guessed on whatever you do if it doesn't pan out to be a blue-chip guy. Get me a blue chip guy. David Jackson says, if Alt is gone, should they trade down or take one of these two receivers? Well, maybe you're taking Fashani. I mean, you hear a lot of good things about the Penn State tackle. And I think there are some people um, who think that he may be, you know, Alt's equal, maybe not on day one, but maybe better than Alt in the long run with some development, has a higher ceiling, as they say. And so um, we'll see. But I, I think you go in thinking, I think Titans fans should think there are two offensive tackles at play and two wide receivers at play. And those four guys, it's hard for me to imagine those four guys are gone in the first seven picks when you're thinking, well, 
they're definitely two quarterbacks gone, right? So now we're talking about six picks. You know, an edge rusher could sneak there. Um, a third quarterback could sneak there. People are going to trade up. I, ideally, for the Titans' sake, you want the quarterbacks to rise and be factors here. Paul Ruddy uh, says, I'm an old fart and old school. They have to address the trenches first and foremost. Look, Paul, I tend to agree with you. Um, and and look, I, I, no one, as I said, has lamented the wide receiver crisis more than I have. But, and Mike Herndon wrote this at paulkuharski.com a while ago. The odds based on recent history, and he might have gone 10 years, he went at least five, of finding a Pro Bowl slash all pro receiver in the second round are much higher than finding a pro bowl, all pro tackle in the second round. And, and based on that history, you would say the value of getting the left tackle in the first round, the strategy is better to get the, the highest ranking left tackle you can get in the first round and then go get the, the wide receiver um, in in the second round. And listen, you know, we say that, and I'm talking about guys like Troy Franklin, Jalen Polk, and Adani Mitchell, um, who I think are appetizing receivers who would be available in the, in the second round. But, you know, there's a good chance, I think, you know, got to be a 40% chance that they come out and look, we don't know what they do in the first, in free agency, right? with not knowing what they do in the, in free agency, even, I think there's a good chance that the first and second rounder combination is not left tackle receiver, that there's somebody there at cornerback or on the edge or at another, or Bowers that comes into play and throws us off of the expected one, two punch that is predictable. Right. And, uh, you know, it's conceivable they do enough work in free agency. They're a great offensive lineman in free agency, just not left tackles. You know, could they find a left tackle that they say this guy can play well enough, coached up by Bill Callahan, that with the rest of the offensive line reconstructed in free agency, we can take a fourth-round left tackle and put him in the mix and do that. Or, you know, all different kinds of scenarios. A donate like from the Bible. That's not what I've found in terms of uh, phonetics. All right, so Brian says, I believe Alt and Fashanu will be gone. I'd like to trade back no further than 12 and hopefully get a third rounder in return, get the next best available offensive tackle, Latham, Faga, Guyton, Xavier Worthy in the second and a cornerback in the third. Rake Straw Jr., Kalen King. I mean, that all stacks up nicely on our, you know, the boards in our head, but uh, we don't know how that's going to. Um, I, I've looked up some phonetics on some of this. Trey says, when it comes to top six, I don't see a team or teams jumping the Titans for quarterbacks, wide receiver, edge. It's alt. Olu, the neighbors for me. Listen, these quarterback needy teams, the buildup between now and the, and the draft, starting with the combine next week, these quarterbacks are going to go up, 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 up. Michigan guy Daniels in particular 
their their stock. You see it happen year after year after year. You're a quarterback needer, and you you feel compelled to get your guy. And a lot of teams take the approach like we're going to swing at quarterback until we find our guy. And if we don't find our and until we find our guy, we're you know we're nothing. Atlanta's got to have a quarterback, right? I mean, that's a pretty good-looking team that uh, needs a quarterback. Let's look at the draft order here and see who else could uh, could take a quarterback. I love how they're, uh, you know, if you look at draft order, you know, we don't know compensatory picks. So beyond the, the first, you know, we think the Bears are probably taking a quarterback or they're trading to somebody that's taking a quarterback. So there's a quarterback at one. Washington's taking a quarterback at two. The Patriots could take Harrison, but they really need a quarterback. Uh, Cardinals probably not taking one, but they could trade. Chargers absolutely don't need one. Giants, uh, I think, would be smart to take one, but but they're probably not. But so this puts Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers, Giants all ahead of the Titans in position to trade back. Atlanta, certainly a team that would like to trade ahead. Uh, Minnesota, a team that would want to trade up from 11. Denver, a team that would want to trade up from 12 uh, to get in front of people. New Orleans, a team that would want to trade up from 14. Uh, Seattle, conceivably from 16, maybe not immediate quarterback help, but a future for Geno Smith. Um, so I, I think there's there's reasonable possibility of, of teams wanting to trade up to go get those guys. Ed Henry says, do I think they will make enough moves in free agency that will make their first pick less predictable than it is now? I mean, ideally, you want to do enough in free agency that you don't have to do anything in free agency, right? If they got Jonah Williams from the Bengals as a free agent, could he be a serviceable left tackle with the tutelage of Bill Callahan and give you average or slightly above average play at left tackle? Maybe, you know. And I think you have to have somebody signed and ready to give you that, even if you're spending a first-round pick um, at left tackle. Because you gotta have, you gotta be prepared to to play too. And your backup, I mean, let's put aside that Andre Dillard absolutely sucked. What was the backup plan at left tackle last year? They didn't really have one. Petit Frere or Hubbard. So that's their top three. Once Petit Frere is is off of the suspension list, that's pretty weak. Um, that's pretty weak. And then you know. You account for injury, and who's the the fourth is is Duncan, a sixth round pick. I mean, they were ill equipped there. This team's going to be more equipped, and their their last man is going to be better taught and prepared to deal with his limitations. So that's the uh, Bill Callahan factor. Uh, I expect that they'll be they they got to do some damage at the on the rest of the offensive line at, you know, receiver three um, and at cornerback in free agency for sure that they won't be in desperation position um, there. 
I think drafting a quarterback, would I be surprised if Titans drafted a quarterback? Tremaine Kelly asks, absolutely, especially if you're talking about at number seven. Titans don't need a young quarterback. This is this is uh you have to give Levis the keys and let him try. I mean, you can't trade up to draft a guy in the third round, regime change or not, not give him every chance to win the job. And that quarterback needs needs people around him. I have to spend draft picks to get people around him. If they spent number seven on a quarterback, you will have spent a first rounder, a second rounder where you gave up a third, and a third rounder where you gave up a fourth in three consecutive years. That's just too much resource allocation for, for one position. Levis has shown enough tools for them to go forward and and see what they can get out of him. Uh, it'd be crazy for them to draft a quarterback. If there's a quarterback that the league judges worth seven, then the Titans should get the hell out of seven. Justin asks, how do I feel about trading pick seven for pick 19 T Higgins and their third? I don't think that the Bengals would find a move from 19 to seven uh, enough at, and their third. So you're getting T Higgins in their third and all they're getting is to move from 19 to seven. That's not nearly enough for T Higgins. Cincinnati's not going to make that deal. No way is Cincinnati going to make that deal. Scanning through your questions here. Let me, uh, let me go to my primary complaint if I may. Uh, and I've uh, I've not used these in some time, but I'm here at my mother's house. My dad died a little over a year ago. They've lived here for probably 20 years after after my dad retired. It's a small house, two bedroom house. They've got an attic uh, over the garage that has nothing in it. Uh, I narrate this video. It's only 22 seconds. If you uh, are listening rather than watching. All you have to do is uh, close your eyes to imagine um, what I'm talking about. Please, please watch or listen. This is my mother's attic in my mother's garage. These are the stairs to my mother's attic in my mother's garage. And those are five dusty boxes up in otherwise unused space in the attic in my mother's garage. These boxes, five boxes, they used to be in a crate or a trunk. They were somehow in my brother's basement, and this was an issue, and then they had water in their basement, and the crate, I guess, got messed up, and so my parents willingly somehow these boxes got transferred to my parents' attic. There's nothing in that attic, as you could see except maybe those five boxes. Every time I'm here, these boxes are a big deal. Now, my mom hasn't really piled on, but my brother and sister-in-law and my wife have piled on. Hey, how about you look through those boxes? Maybe throw some stuff away. Maybe get them out of mom's hair. My mom is 88. She is never in that attic. Somebody goes upstairs once in a while to get a wreath to change what's on the door. My brother will go up there for whatever. There's nothing up there. I've offered to pay rent for the space for these boxes, which contain primarily my college stuff. Someday when the Paul Kuharski Presidential Library opens, people are going to want the stuff that's in these boxes. I am sentimental and I like to save stuff. And I know what's in the boxes 
and I want what's in the boxes. I have said repeatedly that when this house is closed down and my mom either sells it to move somewhere for assisted living, move in with Teresa and I in Nashville, whatever happens, I will drive something here to get those boxes and take them from a place that nobody pays any attention to in this house in New Jersey and put them in a place that nobody pays any attention to in Brentwood, Tennessee. Why are these boxes a thing that need to be discussed constantly and that I need to be made to feel bad for want? Why can't I have my college books and papers and notes and stuff? A couple years ago, I wanted a logic and rhetoric file from a class I took at Columbia. I went up there. I went through a couple boxes. I found it. They're semi-organized. I brought it back to Nashville. I know where it is in my messy office in Nashville. Why can't I have my damn boxes? Who are they bothering? Are people going to bed at night worrying about those five dusty boxes I just showed you? If they are, I suggest that that is the problem of the people who are worried about the boxes and not a problem of mine. Let's all come together on this and let go the damn incessant conversation about my boxes. Thank you. Back to your questions. You asked A to Z about that trade moving from 7 to 19, and they thought it was too much for T. Higgins. I mean, I, I don't. 7 to 19 for T. Higgins is, is not bad. But I think you got to let go of, of getting T. Higgins. PBK says, Paul, do I fear that Amy fired all the people who told hard truths and replaced them with nicer, more agreeable people? Well, she fired uh, Mike Vrabel, and, uh, and then they fired most of uh, his coaching staff. Amy wasn't talking to most of his coaching staff. So who else but Mike Vrabel was fired? Ryan Cowden uh, left. But, I mean, Mike Vrabel told some hard truths for sure. Um, and and they've gone away from uh, Mike Vrabel who, who told some hard truths for sure. And they certainly have stocked up on nicer, more agreeable people, which is the trend around the league, quite frankly. If you're a jerk, Bill Belichick, Mike Rabel, uh, you didn't do well in this hiring cycle. So I think that's a fair question. And I think it's a more agreeable place. Is that a good work environment? In a degree, to a degree, yes. I mean, I think everybody feared Mike Rabel, which was a bad thing. But I think that that said a little bit about the people that feared him, like stand up to the guy once in a while. Um, instead of cowering in the corner when, when he was around. Um, you know, I, I, I'll use me as a subset of that. I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mike Vrabel and lived to tell about it. Now, I know it's different if you're in the building with him, but I think he wanted those kind of interactions with, with people and thinks that certain things are better as a result of having that. And I think the Titans, while it's going to be a much happier place, and that's healthy in certain ways, they talk so much about Kumbaya now, I wonder if they're going to have the necessary friction that uh, makes for some good decisions sometimes. 
and uh, you know, you need some disagreement in order to come to good conclusions sometimes. And so along the lines of what you're asking, I wonder if, uh, if it's too nice, uh, it's going to be too nice and too agreeable a place. I think that's a fair question and something to wonder. But they would say there's a, a great distance between the way Vrabel was in those relationships and the way uh, Callahan and Carthon and company can be, um, which is fair. But there better be some some sandpaper moments. I think you need sandpaper moments to to get good results. That's a good question. I'm not sure what Amar is uh, saying. Sorry to hear maybe about my dad, but I'm going to take it as he's sorry to hear about the grief I'm taking over my boxes. And I much appreciate your sympathies for that. Thanks very much. Jason Brown wants Alt at seven. I don't think he's going to be there. Sign Cushenberry. I'd like that. Perfect. Then sign Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, not super fast, primarily a slot guy. I think that they can do better. I am not a hoarder. It's five neatly packed boxes, self-contained. I know exactly what's in there. Kim wants me to just bring my boxes back to Nashville with me. Well, I'm coming from here to Indianapolis. They don't fit on a plane, and uh, they'd be very costly to ship. They're, they're big, heavy boxes. Yeah, here we go. Amar, trade Burks for Higgins and a uh, 2025 second or third round pick. Why would Cincinnati want Burks? Are we doing this thing where uh, we're going to – have the other 31 teams in the league overvalue the Titans shit players. Um, let's see who's under contract. Let's trade um, Andre Dillard for um, for San Francisco's left tackle. Phil says, maybe not agreeable, but just better communicators. Uh, I, I, I think they've talked about being – Agreeable, getting along. Um, that's good if you get along. Nobody, nobody said, hey, we're going to get along, but we're going to disagree sometimes and, you know, hash things out. I think that's important and nobody's, nobody's talking about it. It's certainly a line of questioning I'll be asking uh, at the combine. Omar, continuing with this line of questioning, says he didn't like Mike Vrabel, to be honest. He was micromanaging the whole team and was too stubborn and rigid. He was stubborn and rigid. We don't know to what degree he was micromanaging the team. I don't know where you're getting that. That's you uh, throwing a presumption on stuff. I certainly don't think it was micromanaging the team when uh, Craig Ackerman let uh, Kyle Phillips go field the punt with one second left in London against Baltimore and fumble it and give up a free field goal. He, he was leaving that to Craig Ackerman, who incompetently allowed it to happen because Vrabel was busy doing some other head coaching thing. So, he definitely, um, uh, you know, let somebody else do the job right then. And that, that wasn't micromanaging. That was undermanaging. I don't know. Jonathan Merck says, who says Callahan isn't capable of seeing paper moments? I don't know if he is or he isn't. I, I would presume he is. I'd just say they haven't had, they haven't talked at all about that. Everything they've talked about is we're going to get along. It's going to be beautiful. We love each other. Everything's kumbaya, kumbaya, kumbaya. Nobody's interjected in the kumbaya conversation that it's going to be necessary for us to have sandpaper moments. And I think that's 
an important feature that nobody's mentioned. Ed Henry, thoughts on the J.J. Reddick argument that fans don't want to be educated about their sport, but rather the controversial headline. Not sure if I saw it or not. I did see it. And Mike Herndon, uh, who writes for paulkuharski.com, did a very uh, good Twitter post on it, which you should read, comparing a, uh, a piece when he was writing for Music City Miracles that he did that took a long time and a lot of effort and got minimal attention and then a reaction piece that he did in short order to some um, newsworthy uh, event that people wanted, you know, fiery reaction to that got way, way more. And that is the trend of things. But I think too, in the reaction to that was somebody else who said, you know, uh, everybody wants that. And only 30% of the people want the education stuff said that those 30% who want the education stuff will pay for the education stuff. And I think my site is kind of an example of that. Not that I'm writing great educational stuff, but if you want, um, and Herndon does write educational stuff at my site. And I think Blake Bettingfield does. And I've made an effort to find those guys and add them to my mix. And I think I'm writing a more intellectual brand of analysis than you're getting um, elsewhere. And I think that's the reason that there is a niche for a site like this, um, which you should be joining if you're not a member, because you're getting uh, a different degree of stuff. So not everybody wants it. A lot of people say they don't want those yelling, screaming headline pieces, but they're lying because it's all they read and they don't care for it. But a lot of you want what Herdman wrote yesterday, which was like, 5,000 words on all the free agent matches he sees position by position, and then a nine-man free agent class that he thinks would be terrific for the Titans. And you'll pay $5.99 a month to get that story and to get me breaking down Chad Brinker's free podcast on Titans Pravda and we'll read between the lines as to what this really means and the questions that it answers, or to tell you how these free fan sites are making it like there's a big decision here to be made about DeAndre Hopkins when there really isn't, and here's why there isn't. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, it's true. The big clicks come on the loud stuff, but if you get – um, a reasonable number of clicks on the educational smart stuff, you can make money on that. You can make a living on that. I'm making a living off of this site thanks to you guys who want the smart stuff. And on the smart stuff, I'm going to tell you about Zen Sports, which is the smart place to bet. You can go to Zen Sports, download the app right now if you live in Tennessee, bet as little as $10 if you sign up as uh, using the code PK, uh, TN, sorry, TN Paul, TN Paul, bet as little as $10 and you get a free year membership to paulkuharski.com. It's a real steal. Right now, you've got a no danger first wager. So you should bet more than 10 bucks because if you lose, you'll get your money back uh, up to $1,000 as long as you're making a bet that's plus 500 or less. So you're either swimming in a huge victory or you get back your loss. It's a terrific deal. Lots of great bets. 
and parlays to make on uh, college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. Uh, it's a really easy way in. So if you haven't joined um, Zen Sports, whether you're a member already or not a member, it's an easy way to get a free membership. Use uh, TN Paul at Zen Sports. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and in Tennessee to bet. Please hook up with them. Uh, they're very good to me. Ed Henry, that was a great question, and I hope uh, – Hope you'll look. So here's a question about Vrabel. Do I think Vrabel has to change his way of doing things to get another job? You believe so, but don't know if he'll change. That's from Robert. Listen, I think things go in cycles, right? This cycle, everybody wanted um, this kind of get along with everybody, kind of just what the Titans did and just what we were talking about, this kind of kumbaya uh, front office. But I think probably next year, and I could be wrong again, I thought Vrabel would get a job easily in this cycle, and he didn't. I was wrong. Um, I think next year there'll come a job free where somebody says, you know what we need is an authoritarian coach to come in here and clean this up and whip this locker room into shape. Um, I think the Giants are the kind of team that are okay with that kind of guy, have had success with that kind of guy, and Tom Coughlin uh, haven't done well with coaches lately even though Dayball is kind of carrying himself that way. He's not as good a coach as Mike Vrabel. Um, I could see Vrabel landing there or in Philadelphia if they adjust kind of Howie Roseman's um, uh, powers. Um, so I, I'd wait another cycle before we say, you know, Vrabel's way is it completely doesn't, doesn't work. Um, and you know, these young guys outside of Ben Johnson, there's a certain point where after three cycles, um, you know, that the young up and coming coordinator pool starts to thin, you know, I, I know there's another batch of young and up and coming coordinators slow you know, uh, after another year could, could be good, but you know, limited experience guys, you're also going to see how do these guys that just got hired do. And so Brian Callahan's um, first year coaching could have a bearing on how you look at the next young guy who's been a coordinator. Uh, I, I think Vrabel's still got a future. Um, he's going to have to make some changes, but um, I wouldn't write him off yet. Yeah, Aunt Deasy wants to trade a two for Ayuk and saying sign Boyd and you have three weapons like we haven't had in a while. I think you can do better than Boyd. And what you need to do is sign somebody without trading a two for him and then use the two to draft a player. And then you get two players instead of getting only one player for that two. See what I'm saying? I love Ayuk, but the Titans are not in position to trade draft picks. If you trade a draft pick and you don't get a draft picks back, you're double using the resource. Well, you can't miss me hitting Mike with the hard questions. There isn't a period of time where the coach has been, been talking. Let's everybody retweet and we'll get another good 15 minutes in here. The, the, Trey says, sounds like the ship has sailed on Burks for me. Um, no, um, I mean, a ship has sailed on Burks for me in that I wouldn't count on him as a top three receiver. I think it's silly to count on him as a top three receiver. He's a gravy guy. 
So if you get something out of Burks next year, that's terrific, and it adds to your depth. But if you go into next year thinking that he's one of your top three receivers and you can go uh, draft pick Burks, Hopkins, and then the free agent you get only needs to be your number four, uh, that's crazy. You cannot count on trailing Burks next year to be something significant in your offense. Robert, I wrote about sign and trade deals in the NFL. There's been one in the last 24 uh, franchise tags, two in the last 30 something. Um, it's in the Higgins story I wrote on Tuesday, yesterday, I think. Thoughts on possibility of trading back for Bowers or is the TN the tight end positional value too low? Well, it's certainly rather take Bowers at uh, 12 than at seven. Um, but look, they've got bigger positions to address than tight end. Focus asking about Ryan Stonehouse's surgery. He said that he was fine, um, you know, and enthusiastic about how he was coming back on the locker cleanout day. The move at kicker to me is to re-sign Nick Folk. Um, who gave the Titans no question about kicker for the first time in a long, long, long time. There are, uh, MB says, do I think it would be better for the Titans to find a solid left tackle on a team rebuilding with an expiring contract, then draft the best available at seven? There are no left tackles coming available on free agency that are good. There's nobody that meets the, the floor of what the Titans should be looking for from left tackle. Somebody suggesting the Titans sign Dalvin Cook as a free agent to fit the Callahan offense with Spears and Cook as the duo. I, I like Dalvin Cook. I wouldn't be averse to uh, to Dalvin Cook. I'd have to look more closely at how how he would pair with Spears. Somebody asking for me and Herndon to pod together. That will happen, as will uh, Blake Bettingfield pod. I need to talk to you about my other sponsor, Jasper's. Excellent restaurant on West End Avenue between uh, downtown and Midtown. Uh, you hear me talking about them every podcast episode, and you need to go there and eat, get the bolognese, get the Cuban sandwich, try something else. I get stuck on my favorites. Pull up there, you park for free, which is a huge bonus anywhere you go to eat in, uh, in or around Nashville. Hard to find. Service is great. Food is great. Drinks are cold. You can go in their game room and play a bunch of stuff for free, like uh, Papa Shot. You can uh, pull up a chair at the bar, listen to a podcast, uh, catch up on some reading like I do at lunchtime. You can go for a business meeting. You can go for a family dinner. You can go on a date night. It's a very versatile restaurant, affordable prices, good food. Uh, can't say enough good things about them. Check out Jasper's on West End between downtown and Midtown. You won't go wrong. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and review um, here on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Twitter, um, and it's also available on Facebook. I don't know how you consume it. I put it out there every way I can think of, and uh, attendance has been pretty good. So I appreciate that. Enjoy doing these live ones. Next week, I will um, hopefully have a steady stream of good media guests that I will uh, link together and put up from the combine at Indianapolis. So the timing may be different, but the content will be excellent. 
Ed asks, how much does the new stadium and drumming up PSL support shape their aggressiveness in free agency this year? Does it factor in at all? Look, they need to get a good roster together and be competitive. Um, and, you know, so they're looking to get competitive. They know that they, they have seats to sell. Um, I, I don't know that they need to say, hey, we're trying to sell PSL, so let's get good. I think that obviously we uh, we fired a coach, we hired a coach, we hired a coach, uh, hired a GM last year. All of that is with the intent of getting good. Amy said she wants to modernize the operation and uh, and all of that. Well, all of that is with the purpose of getting good and, you know, goes hand in hand with getting good that you're going to draw more fans, sell more seats, uh, do better in a new stadium uh, and in the lead up to a new stadium. Trent Brown's okay, but I think they can do better drafting and you solve the issue long term. I don't, uh, you know, I think T. Higgins is a good receiver, but he's been a good receiver in tandem with Jamar Chase. And there's no Jamar Chase here. He scores a touchdown every other game and certainly is uh, is good in the red zone. But the number one thing the Titans need at receiver is speed. Now, he plays faster than his 4 five, nine, but he's not like if you were saying put one great NFL receiver atop the free agency list and let him not be tagged so the Titans could get him. T Higgins isn't the guy that I would pick. He shouldn't be the guy that you would pick. You need a, a game-breaking speed guy. They need a game-breaking speed guy. He's not a game-breaking speed guy. He's very good, very good guy. But wouldn't be my first choice for them if, if they had their choosing. And if they're breaking the bank for somebody – I wouldn't have it be T. Higgins. And the only way they're getting T. Higgins, he's going to get tagged. They tagged uh, Bates, their safety, a couple of years ago, a year or two ago, who, who they got one more year out of under the tag, and then they let him go. So T. Higgins, they're going to have an opportunity at next year. I have to say, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to uh, learn more about the tackles, Alt and Fashanu uh, at the Combine. Uh, waiting to talk to them, waiting to talk to people about them. And I don't have a hard and fast preference about them now. I like what I hear about both of them. You know, it sounds like Alt is more NFL ready right away. Fashanu, maybe a higher ceiling. Um, so we'll see. Uh, this, this obsession, somebody asking about finding a left tackle on a rebuilding team and trading for him. Veterans are usually cheaper. It, the Titans should not be trading for people. The Titans cannot give up picks and uh, the rebuilding team you know what they need a left tackle chill mode says i'm tired of all these bargain bins shopping for players that's how we got into this mess in the first place we need to spend the money available go read mike herndon's piece he gives you a class of nine um pretty you know good level free agents now titans are going to have to sign you know 20 guys probably to fill out a roster that that isn't just thin it like they don't have people on the roster um so you know if they sign the nine guys say they sign the nine guys that herndon wants well they're going to need to sign another 11 guys who are going to be you know more bargain basement fill in depth guys who are going to be the third string inside linebacker and the eighth offensive lineman and uh you know, stuff like that. But 
they can do both. Jennifer asks, is there anyone on this team that we could trade for a third round pick? I mean, anybody that's worth a third round pick then creates a hole that you need to fill. It, 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 it's too simple to say, well, we'll just trade Amani Hooker for a third round pick. Well, then you don't have Amani Hooker and you need a starting safety. So, so you'd spend the third round pick on the replacement for Amani Hooker and it's a wash. So it, you can't think of it that way. Anybody that's worth a third round pick on the Titans would be somebody with the starting role that needs to be replaced. And somebody says Harold Landry. Harold Landry, you know, is worth more than a third round pick. Maybe nobody would spend that for him. That's why you should keep him. I mean, this, Titans have very few frontline guys. Harold Landry is one of them. Why would you want to trade him? Some people are asking that about Jeff Simmons. Well, Jeff Simmons is one of the few good players we have. He's worth something. Why don't you trade him? Well, if you traded Jeff Simmons, one of the things you'd need massively is a stud defensive tackle. So what sense does it make? Well, it would lower costs. Well, the Titans are finally at a spot where they don't need to lower cost. So, so I mean, they've got four guys, I think, on the payroll who have cap numbers in double digits. And one of them is Andre Dillard, who's certain to be cut. You can't cut a guy. Somebody mentions Burks. Burks can be replaced. You can't cut Burks. I mean, you owe Burks more cut than you owe him on the roster. Robert Hunt, Kevin Zeitler, they're, they're good guards. The New England guy, um, they're good guards out there. Cushenberry as a center is good. James Herndon loves James. Andre James from the Raiders. There are plenty of good offensive linemen. They just don't happen to play left tackle. Here, random guy says, we could trade Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Maybe another team wants to take a chance on him. Why heading into a draft where you could choose your own, um, your own offensive lineman, would you trade a draft pick instead for Nicholas Petit Ferrer? Makes no sense. Nicholas Petit Ferrer has no value to anybody right now. Like, conditional sixth but you wouldn't make that trade now you'd make it after the draft and and uh after free agency and after the draft and after uh unsigned uh, undrafted rookie free agency who wants nicholas petit ferrer right now who wants npf right now why why would you want him right now he just his value is the lowest it's ever going to be he had uh a gambling suspension, so you think he's an idiot. He played incredibly poorly, and uh, he finished the season on IR with a shoulder injury that was probably surgical. I got to have that guy. Hey, uh, get the Titans on the phone. I need MPF. This overvaluing of Titans middling players has got to stop. Can't go on in this chat. We're smarter than that here. I don't think chill mode says we need a true center. He likes Brewer, but no, F.A. signing. I don't know why you like Brewer. I mean, he definitely is not a guy that should be starting on this team going forward unless Bill Callahan looks at him and thinks I can work miracles with that guy, and then the Titans would have to re-sign him. And I don't see why they'd re-sign him instead of going and signing a center who's better for Bill Callahan to get his hands on. Name other bad to middling Titans you want to trade for stuff that people in the league would never consider giving them. I'm kidding. 
Most people in this room will not participate in that. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all coming, by the way. We'll do a couple more minutes. Um, and after I am done, I encourage you to stay online. A football show is going live at the top of the hour. Braden Gall and Zach Lyons will be talking about how much of the Titans starting offensive roster is in place and how much they need to find a very good and interesting show. So you can just stack that right on top of this. I have to admit, Robert uh, is asking me about the odds Nashville gets a major league baseball team in the next five years. He assumes they need a stadium first. Of course they do. I mean, if, if they had a billionaire owner who uh, was stepping forward and could provide them with uh, land and a stadium, that'd be terrific. I have no problem with the city uh, not stepping forward to help finance uh, MLB stadium. It would be terrific if it was downtown. But I think Metro Nashville has done more than its part in terms of financing stadium, uh, Titans new upcoming stadium, the MLS stadium, and Bridgestone Arena. And then a baseball park, if it's going to happen, probably needs to go in uh, Williamson County, Rutherford County. I'd vote for Williamson County, and I'd take my tax hit as, uh, as somebody that lives there and would be uh, – you know, a frequent game goer with my baseball playing son. Um, but this stars, you know, that has a lot of structure stuff going is great. They don't have the money. You need money. And, and the guy who steps forward with money or woman is going to, you know, well, what do they need the music city baseball people for? They're going to have their own planners and ideas. Yeah. PBK is way off here. All stadiums should be dual use to save taxpayers. Just have one mega center that hosts everything. Uh, there are no dual-use stadiums left, and it's because they're shit. Uh, I worked at one, uh, Oakland Coliseum it was called when it was there. They brought football back to make it a decent football stadium, and then it was the worst baseball stadium imaginable. It's just not functional. I'd be all in favor. I, I'm waiting for somebody to create one where you push a button and all kinds of things move around electronically, including a massive wall of bleachers or two massive walls of bleachers that turn a football stadium, a great football stadium into a great baseball stadium. But I haven't seen the technology. And until somebody invents the technology, fans don't want to go watch a football game in a baseball park or a baseball game in a football park. That era is long over. And those cookie cutter stadiums sucked. Old Bush Stadium, Veteran Stadium, Riverfront Stadium, Three Rivers Stadium. They were terrible. Chill mode. Uh, if the if the Nashville gets an MLV team, the sounds would not become their farm team. The sounds would cease to exist. All right. This has been good. Please think of Zen Sports. Use uh, PK. I forget my own code. TN Paul at Nash, uh, Zen Sports, if you're in Tennessee, visit Jaspers. Um, be sympathetic to me about my boxes and my mom's attic. Don't block the box and be sure to lock your locks. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week from the Combine.